1: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Ottawa. I hope that you hopefully have recovered from the despair and the dread that was Sunday's game uh, against the Titans. But with no more time to dwell, it's a chance now for all of us to move forward and look ahead to the Bears' Week 10 game against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm your host, little Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we're here for our weekly Meet the Opponent episode where we're going to be bringing on Arif Hasan, who covers the Vikings for the Athletic Nick, before we bring on Arif, is there anything that you wanted to say or do to introduce him, or are we going to just jump right into this interview uh, just like that?
2: Yeah, no, I think with Arif, I mean, he's going to give, he gives a lot of great insight on the athletic, so go check out the articles that he's already written about this matchup and just some of the things that the Vikings are already doing. He goes into it specific detail in, in our Meet the Opponent episode, but he's a great follow on Twitter. He's mostly there. For jokes and then some football, but you'll you'll figure that out in just a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, we already did the interview. This is a, a recording after the fact, and you're going to learn so much about the Vikings. I'm excited for you to do so, and it's going to help you uh, as we get closer to this game on Monday night. So, without any further ado, here is our interview with the Athletics, Arif Hassan. <laughs> All right, We're sitting here with Arif. Arif, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us today. And uh, It was actually interesting, uh, when I was looking a little bit more about you, uh, I guess you don't like turkey? I mean, that's the number one thing that stood out to me over here on Twitter. Uh, I don't think we need to dive into it, but I thought that was interesting that it warranted uh, enough publicity that you don't like the big bird.
3: Uh, yeah, no, I'm not a
1: fan. I think that
3: we uh, Thanksgiving is one of our greatest holidays. We can do better.
1: <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you have to have high standards when it comes to what you're putting into your body. And Nick, I'll kick it over to you as we kind of now dive into uh, some questions that we have for Arif about the Minnesota Vikings.
2: Yeah, actually, I don't like turkey as well. So I'm with you, Arif, on that one. I'm more of a ham guy on Thanksgiving. but Hey, to get there to- we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but to get to to the Vikings and obviously what we're going to get your insight on uh, this, this primetime matchup, I want to start the conversation with Dalvin Cook. These past two games against the Packers and Lions, 478 total scrimmage yards, six touchdowns, only the fourth player to have those stats in a two game span. What are the Vikings doing offensively, especially recently, that has allowed Cook to have so much success? What's well, kind of interesting.
3: If you break down kind of like say how the offensive line is blocking, which I think is one of the first things that you look at in the conversation like this, they're not blocking particularly amazingly. They're doing all right. Um, you know, sometimes the run blocking uh, is, is fantastic. Sometimes it's not all there uh, on, uh, on one of his uh, big runs. I think it was the um, what, 70 yarder from, uh, from two weeks ago, or I guess three weeks ago. Cause of the bye week, um, that that one actually was an instance where uh, there was a, a significantly uh, blown block by uh, by the right guard as for Cleveland. And and Cook just made a move in the backfield, and suddenly he was you know off to the races. So, uh, a lot of it is just kind of Cook is doing a lot of this stuff on his own. I don't know how sustainable that is, but you know it's been really impressive to watch over the past couple of games. Uh, some of it is you know schematically they've been doing something a little bit different. They've been uh, adding kind of more complex uh, blocking schemes into into what they do. So I think for the first time ever last week they ran something called GT counter, which is where you pull. Uh, the guard and the tackle from the opposite side of the play and bring him uh, play side, and, and the running back follows. You know that's something that's super popular in college football. It's getting a little bit more popular in the NFL. First time the Vikings have done that, so they're doing some stuff that's a little bit different, and that's nice to see, and that's kind of helping them out. Um, but some of it is just you know Cook is is you know he like leads the league in in avoided tackles. He leads the league in uh, in ten plus yard runs. Some of it's just kind of what he's doing.
2: You know, it must be nice to have offensive linemen that can actually execute, you know, um, run plays, unlike <laughs> the Bears right now. Uh, but Arif, just to kind of follow up, what has been maybe the biggest difference that you've seen from this Vikings team now on this two-game win streak than the team that started one and six to begin the season? Whether that's offensively or defensively, what do you think's the biggest difference right now?
3: Yeah, well, I think maybe the most impactful difference might just be that Kirk is throwing fewer picks, right? Like it's that's a significant part of, you know, their ability to produce both offensively, put the defense in a better spot from a field position perspective. Uh, and and that is just something he kind of expected that to happen. He he never really has a high interception rate over his career. And and the picks that he threw kind of early on. Um, we're we're just kind of baffling. Like even even for him, he doesn't always make the best decisions, but he doesn't throw that many picks. Uh, and so uh, against the Falcons, he he didn't see underneath linebackers twice. That's a pretty unusual error from him. It was kind of like a a Jameis Winston type error where the linebackers were just kind of invisible to him. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, some sometimes you know. I mean, the picks that he throws are usually he's he's trying to make a throw that he knows is a dangerous throw. And uh, he's got he thinks he has a little bit more accuracy or a little bit more arm strength than he does. Um, I'm thinking of like the the throw last year against the Packers where uh, he's trying to hit uh, Adam Thielen in the corner of the end zone and Kevin King, you know, undercuts it. And he had a little bit more arm strength or accuracy. He would have gotten it. And that's a pick that I can kind of understand. He's trying to come back from from a deficit. Um, some of the picks that he's thrown this year just kind of don't make a ton of sense. So that's gone. And I expected it to be gone. Um, but, yeah, that's that's probably the most impactful difference between uh, the first couple of weeks and what's happening now.
1: Yeah, I had a question all about those turnovers because you had a flurry of them early on this season, and so far you've been pretty clean after the bye. It just makes um, a lot of sense. Uh, speaking of Cousins real quick, have they kind of changed his role in the offense as the season's worn on? Uh, were they asking too much out of him? And now with the running game kind of, uh, I was going to say, cooking up, um, pun kind of intended, a terrible one at that, uh, would that be uh, taking the ball out of his hands and turning him more into like a game manager?
3: A little bit, and you could see that kind of in opening drives where um, the Vikings' opening drives had, had typically been pass-heavy and, and then they were run-heavy, but um, it, it, that kind of doesn't matter as much. I mean, they're, uh, they were actually pretty successful in their opening drives uh, in a lot of these games. It was just kind of every subsequent drive that was kind of an issue. Um, but I, I think the reason that they can feel comfortable about doing this is mostly because they get out to a lead, as a result of Cook running the ball and, and doing well enough at that, and then they don't ask much of cousins. I think that it, when they're in a situation where you know they fall behind it it's going to look a lot like you know against Atlanta or against Indianapolis or against Green Bay where they're going to have to rely on cousins one way or the other. I think they always wanted to have an offense where um you know they didn't want to have cousins do everything for them um but you know it, the last couple of games have provided situations where they haven't had to ask much of them, so I don't know how much the offense has changed in some scenarios where where kind of you can see a clear difference like in opening drives you know it, it's clear that that cousins is playing a smaller role. But I, I think that a lot of his limited uh, attempt totals, which he's only had like 30 total attempts for the past two games combined, um, you know that I think is just a product of the fact that they they come out to early leads. Uh, and so in a game where that doesn't happen, I'm, I'm sure they're going to try and rely on Cousins. We'll see, you know, how that goes. But um, his role has changed, but in part because of circumstance.
1: Understood. Uh, sticking with the passing game, I'm curious your take of uh, first round wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Uh, here in Chicago, we've been very excited about our rookie wideout and Darnell Mooney. But looking at Jefferson, he leads all rookie wide receivers in yards with 627. He also has three touchdowns this season. We all know that the Vikings had to replace Stephon Diggs. How has Jefferson uh, kind of filled in that void, at least so far in his early career?
3: Yeah, I'll say first of all, Mooney has been really fantastic. Uh, he's been a pleasure to watch, so I'll say that. But uh, Justin Jefferson, um, a lot of his yards are coming in garbage time. I, I don't want to undercut. He's playing really fantastically. I don't want to undercut it too much. But you take a look at a statistic where he's you know outpacing Randy Moss among rookie receivers, and you go all the way back to you know ninety nine or 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 you know. 85 or whatever and he's like second to anquan Bolden in, in rookie receiving yards and all that um and that's all great but a lot of it is you know he's he's averaging 60 yards a game outside of garbage time and 100 yards a game when you include garbage time so that plays a role i, I don't want to say that he, that he isn't playing like a, a top level receiver but he's not playing like a top five receiver which is kind of where statistics land him um, so, uh, you know, he's, he's a really remarkable route runner. That was pretty evident in what he was doing in college. That's how he won. Sometimes that skill translates really immediately into the NFL if you've got, you know, a particular combination of route running skills. Uh, and sometimes it, it takes a little bit uh, of time because, you know, that is a skill that requires a high level of precision and communication with a quarterback. And, and sometimes if, if you're not athletic enough to translate your skills right away, you know, that's that you have to worry about that. But uh, some of the weaknesses that he had coming out of college, they've turned out not to be weaknesses here in the nfl especially you know his release coming off the line of scrimmage he played a lot on the inside in his final year of college they're asking him to play on the outside a lot and he's playing a lot against press coverage you you just don't tend to see that often uh in college and and he's doing really well at that so um i'll, I'll say that he's playing like a, a pretty high level receiver and i'll also say that he's playing well enough that i got um, a question in the mailbag that I just published today, you know, who is the wide receiver one for the Vikings? And, and I I don't know that the answer matters too much, but the fact that you get the question at all, I think is a really good indication of where Vikings fans see him because, you know, they hold Adam Thielen in really high regard. Uh, and uh, we're beginning to see defenses kind of treat uh, Justin Jefferson. Like this might be an open question too. We saw Jerry Alexander covering Justin Jefferson on a number of routes, um, you know, three weeks ago. So, uh, Jefferson is playing really well. I think that he's probably playing better than any other rookie receiver, and certainly the statistics reflect that. Um, But it is kind of easy to to overrate his impact on the team based on just kind of a raw look at the statistics. I think he still has uh, a lot of room for improvement, and I think that's just uh, just as exciting as the level of play he's put forth already.
1: And that's why we bring you on to get a little bit more insight on top of just what we're able to see from our vantage point. Another player I want to learn a little bit more about on offense is another young guy, uh, tight end, Irv Smith Jr. He's coming off a two touchdown game, his first scores of the season. I've heard some really good things about his blocking as well. It seems like things are starting to pick up for last year's uh, second round tight end. Of course, here in Chicago, another parallel, we have a rookie tight end who was drafted in the second round. So seeing you know, patience and things take time. Uh, I'm just curious to your take on uh, Irv Smith. Sure. I mean, it's it's always kind of a rookie tight end in Chicago, right? Uh, yeah. um, <laughs>
3: sorry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Irv Smith, it, it took a little bit of time. He actually did come on in the, in the second half of last year. He started uh, outpacing Kyle Rudolph and targets uh, from, like, week 10 on. Um, and and that's when you're getting kind out of got the sense that the Vikings really liked the, what he could do for them, um, and so they've kind of expanded his role, and now he's you know out snapping and out targeting Rudolph in in almost every game. Um, yeah, his blocking has been a pleasant surprise, and you say, hey, tight end from Alabama, you kind of expect him to be able to block well, but you know he's primarily a receiving tight end for them. Um, And he really only showed up, um, you know, in a couple of games as as a gadget player. And, and, And it wasn't really that you expected him to have that full complement of skills, but it came out of the gate. Um, and, you know, I, I do a weekly column where I look at, you know, every position nationally and I try to take a look at kind of which players stood out to me. And there's even a week where I consider Irv Smith to be the best blocking tight end uh, in the league that week. You know, he's been playing really remarkably well uh, at that position from that perspective. Um, they have ex- expanded his role and sometimes he just hasn't been able to, uh, you know, get open or he hasn't been able to, to you know, justify a target based just off of the covers that the defense is showing. Uh, And so uh, for a while, a lot of people were asking, hey, you know, where did he go? But it was just kind of like a a happenstance thing. He's going to continue to be a big part of the offense. The two touchdowns were great. Um, And I think that they're just kind of a reflection of the fact that um, even though, you know, he was coming off of um, a couple of weeks ago he had a game with no targets, and then he was coming off a game with like two targets. Even though that's the case, you know, he still remains second or third in a lot of progressions, and a lot of times he's first in the progression um, on the plays that they call. So they, they very clearly want to get him involved in the offense. They really like, you know, his mismatch capability. He's got a lot of straight line speed. Um, and he's really great at catching the ball, and, and they know that when they put him on the field, they're not signaling whether or not it's going to be a pass or a run because of his capability in the run game.
1: Yeah, that's very much key. I want to switch over uh, to this Vikings defense. Uh, In this little win streak that you have, they've done a pretty solid uh, job, only allowing uh, 21 points per game against the Packers and Lions. And uh, Even though they've allowed a good chunk of yardage, Minnesota uh, doing a good job in a red zone as well as generating turnovers. You have four in the last two games. You're also on a seven-game streak with at least one takeaway on defense. Uh, Reef, you wrote a really good article that I was reading uh, earlier today about some of the schematic changes on defense since the bye week. And I'm just curious, uh, can you let our listeners know about those and how they're kind of leading to some of these improved results?
3: Yeah, well, some of the schematic changes look uh, pretty similar to what Chicago did in uh, 2011 when they had the leading uh, defense in both uh, points allowed and and turnovers allowed. They did a lot of Tampa 2 and a lot of cover 2 stuff. Um, And so you you'd think that that's kind of an outdated defense you know offense is not attacking quarterbacks were familiar with it but the nfl is pretty cyclical um and so you know defenses will go out of style because a lot of teams have you know become familiar with with how to attack and defenses come into style and when uh, the Vikings brought in Mike Zimmer, they implemented a, a cover three style defense, a lot different than Seattle's cover three. But because of the prevalence of cover three from the Seattle system, the Carolina system, and the Minnesota system, T-Vents got really used to, to attacking that. And they knew kind of how to attack cover three.
0: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep, all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
3: Even though they were all different systems in, in different ways, they, they fundamentally You know, they had three deep zone defenders. There's only so many ways that that they can be different from each other. Uh, And so, uh, you know, the Vikings uh, attempted to to innovate, and they were ahead of what looks to be a a cover four revolution in the NFL. A lot more teams are doing cover four for the past two years. Um, But that requires some pretty talented corners, and the Vikings have had um, all three of their starting corners last year leave in free agency. Uh, They've got a bunch of rookie corners. They've had a bunch of injuries at cornerback as well. Um, You know, Holton Hill, who is expected to be their best corner this year, um, you know he's landed on the reserve list. Uh, Cameron Dancer, who probably is their best corner this year, he's a rookie from uh, from the third round. Um, you know he uh, he had to miss the last game, and he and he missed a significant portion of of the Green Bay game due to injury, a pretty nasty looking hit. Uh, and so they've had to play somebody that they poached off of a practice squad in Chris Jones, and you just can't have those guys on islands and cover three and cover four. And so they've put safeties over the top Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, are, are maybe the best safety tandem in the league. And they just decided, Hey, we'll use those coverage skills and protect those corners. Uh, and only have the corners necessarily have to cover short zone and stuff like that. So, um, you've got corners that don't have to play deep very often. Um, you've got corners that when they do play deep often have, uh, you know, help from the safeties on top. Uh, and, uh, And and there's a bunch of pressure packages designed to get the ball out quickly. So it's a bunch of forcing defenses to play short. And the Vikings, uh, in the first couple of weeks, allowed a ton of deep uh, passes. A lot of those deep passes were accurate. And then after that, defenses or offenses stopped throwing deep against them. And so it looks like, you know, that's helped out pretty tremendously. And then when you've got talents like Eric Hendricks, like Anthony Harris, you know, turnovers are going to come. Um, the Vikings have uh, the, the top uh, or one of the top red zone defenses in the league. They've had the top uh, red zone defense since 2015 uh, under Mike Zimmer. It's a remarkable level of sustainability. Uh, and, and they rep that out a ton in practice. So it's a combination of, of all of these things. They know how to win in the red zone. They've done that for years. Um, but they also have some talent deficits that they've needed to fix. And it looks like um, they've, they've done a pretty decent job of, of doing that.
1: You know, always put a smile yeah. on my face just when I have questions and you just knock them out before I even get to them because obviously corner was a big issue uh, with the injuries, with the turnover, and I was wondering, what are they doing different? And you already hit on reef, so kudos to you. Can you let <laughs> us know what offenses maybe could do to combat some of these schemes to maybe do uh, put a little bit more uh, you know, constraints on those corners or just put them in a conflicting situation or just try to attack them?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think conflict is the name of the game here. I think that when you've got um, you know, a cover two defense that you're attacking, um, they'll probably just take a look at some of the playbooks that were really popular in the mid 2000s because, you know, the cover two defense died for a reason the Offense is adapted to attack it. Uh, and so uh, they usually put those corners, specifically those corners, into conflict. Uh, smash concept, which is a concept that runs a, a corner route. So uh, a receiver uh, runs up from the inside and then hits, then heads towards the sideline at an angle. Uh, and another receiver is underneath that guy. That puts that corner back on the outside in conflict. Either they float up to try and, and cover that deep route or they, they need to attack that route underneath, um, that's a pretty common combination uh, and and whoever you know the the cornerback attacks the the quarterback uh, you know throws to the other one, um, you know that's that's you know pretty normal. There's uh, triangle concepts which is pretty similar, but you've got this third receiver running a hitch or an option route um, against the linebacker in cover two. You know there's a bunch of mismatches you can exploit there because linebackers in coverage tend to be kind of the favored you know way to attack those things. And then um, we've seen a lot of you know four verts, three verts. I mean, if you've only got two deep defenders. Uh, you can run three deep receivers, It's kind of basic math. And they they started doing a lot of that when tight ends became a lot more athletic. And so uh, the Tampa two usually has uh, the middle linebacker help out those safeties by dropping deep in coverage as well. Uh, And yeah, when you've got someone like Brian Urlacher, that's really phenomenal. But most people don't. Uh, And so they'll have a tight end, you know, attack uh, super deep by by taking advantage of the fact that, Tight ends are now running four four, and linebackers are running four six. Right, Uh, and uh, and you know Eric Hendricks has actually been pretty good at at defending tight ends in that scenario. But uh, a lot of times, even if you've got the best coverage linebacker in the NFL, that's going to be a problem. So yeah, you can either attack the seam between the two safeties and 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 the linebacker uh, with the tight end. You can flood the zones with uh, with you know multiple deep receivers, or you can kind of attack those corners by putting them into conflict where they're uh, put into a situation where they have to defend multiple defenders and make a choice, and then you just go after the one. they
2: didn't choose yeah and Arif, uh, how do you anticipate now with the Vikings attacking this Bears offense I also read the article that Will was mentioning earlier the Vikings like you s- are mentioned are playing a little bit more those two deep uh, high safeties are mugging their linebackers at the line of scrimmage in those a gaps I mean you could probably throw an elementary defense at the Bears offense right now and have success <laughs> but how do you think this Vikings defense will attack this Bears offense on Monday night
3: yeah, I don't know that they'll do anything particular or special. Um, I, I, a lot of times they they change their defense for what they see as a quarterback's tendency. So against Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's an elite quarterback, but he is one of the few quarterbacks that does get you know substantially worse against the Blitz. You know, he's still an elite quarterback against the Blitz, but, you know, you want to help yourself as much as you can, so they blitzed him a ton, right? And then the next week they're up against Phillip Rivers, who is one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history against the Blitz, and so they blitzed him, like, two times. Uh, and so they, they, it's very clear that they they try to uh, construct a game plan that is very specific to the quarterback that they're playing, um, but sometimes if they don't have a ton of information on a quarterback or if they if they know that a quarterback is is probably – not going to be particularly special against a, a look uh, they'll just run their base defense. And so it's probably going to be a bunch of cover two, a bunch of, you know, mugging the linebackers at, at, inside the a gaps. Uh, and they've changed that a little bit over the years. They, they just kind of went back to it this year just because it's something that they know that they can do. Uh, and yeah, against Nick Foles, um, you know, Foles will take some chances. So they have to kind of be careful at that uh, and, and, and make sure that they can punish that. Um, but I think primarily they're just going to try and make sure that they can screw up the timing for fools. They they want to make sure that they uh, you know keep track of the ball because you know he does he does throw an interceptable pass right, uh, and so uh, they, they want to make sure that uh, they they you know keep keep uh, keep everything ahead of them. So they'll probably play a little bit more zone defense to take advantage of the fact that you know, you've got your eyes on the quarterback. There's a couple of more options um, for you to be able to generate turnovers. Uh, they'll probably try and bracket Allen Robinson, who is – um, I, I, listed six, uh, receivers, uh, at, at midseason as, as players that I considered receivers of the year so far, Allen Robinson was one of them. I don't think he has the yardage for it, but he's playing just really phenomenally. And so I think that they need to probably bracket him a little bit and, and play tighter coverage when he's on the field or his side of the field. Uh, and so you're probably going to see a little bit more of that, but I think they would much rather play the matchups on the skill positions than they would kind of change their defense to adapt to the quarterback.
1: Really good stuff there. Uh, every year, of course, well, twice we play the Vikings. So I feel like fans should know them more than others. But uh, over there in Minnesota, there's been a lot of turnover and some roster changes. Is there maybe a name that our listeners may not really know too much about that they should be paying attention to on Monday night?
3: Uh, as most of the names are just you're not going to know about
1: them unless you've been paying a lot of attention to <laughs> Vikings. Um, yeah, of
3: the players that 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 seem to have kind of just popped onto the scene. I'm going to list just a couple because I have no idea which ones are, are genuinely going to turn out to be good, but some of these have uh, players have flashed out uh, a bunch, um, and they're all along the defensive line. So there's Hercules Mataafa, an undrafted free agent out of Washington State. Um, you know, he originally played defensive tackle for them moved to linebacker with the Vikings, then back to defensive tackle. Now he's playing defensive end because they traded away Unique Ngakwe. Um, and he seems to actually be pretty good at defensive end. So maybe that's where he's going to stick. Um, he actually got a lot of pressure last week, and, and he's been doing pretty well in that sub-package over the past uh, two games. Uh, Afadio Denebo, he's a sixth-round pick out of Northwestern, so, you know, the Chicago-land area. Um, he was also a guy that had a bunch of position switches. They had him play... Uh, defensive tackle, and and then they decided, you know, he was actually pretty good at defensive tackle. But they they ran out of defensive ends, and so they they moved him there, uh, and and he uh, he played at a, at a starting level um, capability there. But you know, he's behind Neil Hunter and Everson Griffin, so it was it was difficult for him to kind of break out. And then their fourth round rookie, uh, DJ Wanam out of South Carolina. He's been getting a bunch of pressure recently. I don't know how sustainable his production has been. Some of it's been unblocked, but um, you know he's he's played a pretty important role in pretty high leverage situations. He got a you know a critical uh, strip sack against Aaron Rodgers uh, on on what would have otherwise probably been a comeback drive. And so uh, those guys are players that were not first or second round draft picks. They're players that haven't seen the field a ton so far, uh, and probably one of them is going to make a, a pretty big impact. I just I don't know whose. That's why I named all three of them.
1: Well, there you go, right? That's a pretty uh, catch-all solution there, and you'll, you'll hit it right. <laughs> and maybe it'll be multiple, uh, just knowing the Bears' offensive line, that uh, they'll be going up against as well. Arif, is there anything else um, about the Vikings' offense, defense, special teams, coaching, news this week that we haven't discussed yet that you believe our listeners would benefit of hearing about?
3: Yeah, a huge X factor here might be long snappers. So their long snapper, Austin Cutting, who they, they drafted from – I'm going to screw this up. Navy guy, I hope I didn't get that wrong. Um, <laughs> it was one of the one of the service academies. Um, they uh, they drafted him. Cut their uh, cut their uh, longtime long snapper Kevin McDermott um, because he was perfect as a long. It's the only reason you drafted him. Right? He was perfect uh, in in the uh, in in college as a long snapper over the past three years. Um, so he's been bad. Uh, <laughs> In, in the NFL. He's had a bunch of snaps go awry. Uh Britton Colquitt is a really remarkable holder. He's a good punter, but he's a really remarkable holder and he saved a couple of these, but they've resulted in missed field goals. And now he's just hit the COVID list. Um the not not the holder, the long snapper. Uh, and I don't know that the Vikings have a solution. They typically have a backup um you know the player at a a different position that also happens to back up at long snap or most teams do um but usually they have a history of, of long snapping at least a little bit in college so for a while it was jared allen which is kind of funny to think about um and then they had a tight end for michigan state named josiah price they had um, Another tight end on the roster recently that was a long snapper in college, but he's no longer on the roster. So I've no idea who their backup long snapper is. Their current long snapper is playing poorly and now he's on the COVID reserve list. I don't know if it's because of a positive test or a close contact or what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I think we've seen enough games. Uh, both between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears where were a, a bad snap uh, on special teams can be catastrophic. And then across the NFL, when a long snapper goes down or when there's you know, just a bad snap from a long snapper, I mean, that's a tough position to play. Uh, when that goes awry, you know, that's, it can immediately result in seven points for another team. Uh, and so that's a situation to monitor. I have no idea what's going to happen with Austin Cutting. I don't know if it's going to be a good thing that he comes back, but I don't know what the solution is. So that's probably an X factor to pay attention to that's
2: a, from air that's force a good one. just i
3: just looked it up from air force Austin cutting ah man i'm sorry <laughs> i was i confused him with joey cordona the navy long snapper that the patriots drafted that's my excuse
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i i you know honest mistake uh, it, it happens uh, no doubt about it i just have one more question for you reef it's a two-parter it's how i end every meet the opponent episode uh, the first part is um, in your opinion uh either why will the vikings win or what will it take for a vikings victory Um, well, the
3: Vikings are just famously bad in Soldier Field, uh, since the divisional realignment. Uh, I, I just wrote a piece explaining just kind of how bad they are. And and basically, if you take a look at team strength, they've underperformed their, uh, their capabilities by about a touchdown when they visit Soldier Field, even after you account for normal, you know, home away advantage and and all that. Um, so I mean, they'll probably lose. I have no idea why the, that happens. Like I've, I've got no explanation for why they, they've, done so poorly at social field so consistently, but uh, for them to, in order to, to win, that has to probably be a non-factor or, um, you know, just a, a bunch of random stuff happens. You've got, you know, Nick Foles, a lot of random stuff is probably just going to happen by virtue of that. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the Vikings that, that play a pretty conservative um, style of, of offense that still nevertheless has a ton of deep shots. Um, you know, that, that tends to result in, in a fair amount of variance as well. If you're going to be a run heavy game that uses play action to, to attack deep, Um, You know, Davin Cook's been great. He used to be somewhat fumble prone. Maybe that's going to show up again. You know, that hasn't really showed up again this year. Uh, And Kirk Cousins used to, you know, lead the league in in fumbles since 2016. Now he no longer does. But uh, thanks to, I think, uh, you know, a combination of Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones. Um, but you know, that's, that's something to kind of pay attention to. Um, and so, uh, there's a bunch of randomness and, and if it hurts the Chicago bears more than it hurts the Vikings, um, then that's probably going to be, you know, the difference in the game. I think there's a lot of potential turnovers available given, you know, the pass for strength the bears have the turnover capability they have on the turnover capability, the Vikings have, and, and who's that quarterback for both teams. I think that's probably going to define things more than, you know, solid, reliable, consistent play from either team. will.
1: All right. I, obviously my second part is the cap, the opposite here the counterpart. Now uh, what's it going to take for the bears to win Vikings to lose? You may have just answered it. So you don't need to repeat everything, but <laughs> if you had any others besides soldier field and randomness, uh, I'm all for it.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I think that, um, I mean, both Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller are playing just really remarkable football right now. There's a really great pass rush that the bears have. Um, I think that for the bears to win, um, I mean, they're a really good run defense, especially, you know, Roquan Smith is turning out to be a really good run defender. He had a really great game last week. Um, but I think that you're probably going to want Akeem Hicks to be a better run defender because that's kind of the one area where he hasn't really performed as well as he should be. Um, and, uh, and and just kind of given how good the run game is for the Vikings, you, you want to be firing in all cylinders. So I think for the Bears to win, I think that some of the players that are are truly just remarkably talented players need to be better against the run. Um, Roquan Smith needs to continue you know, his, his level of play against the run that he hadn't shown earlier in his career. And he was primarily a coverage linebacker. So if Roquan Smith plays like he did the last couple of weeks against the run, if Kim Hicks plays like he did um, last year, or two years ago against the run, um, that's probably going to kind of define the difference because when the bears rush the passer on passing, they're just going to get pressure. I mean, You've got Cleo Mack. You've, you've got um, uh, he's a Robert Quinn on the other side, right?
2: From your big bear hugs to the little notes you leave in your kids' lunches, it's already obvious you're an amazing mom. But there's one thing you can do to be even more amazing. Quit smoking. Because when you quit, not only does your risk of heart attack, stroke, and lung cancer decrease, your kid's risk of asthma, bronchitis, and ear infection does, too. It's a win-win. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit QuitlineIowa.org for a quit plan that's right for you. Quit for you. Quit for them. Brought to you by the Iowa Department of Public Health.
3: Uh, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a run defender, right? But uh, um uh you, you, you've got you've got Khalil Mack, you've got Akeem Hicks, um, you've got uh you know a surprising stable of of pass rushing nose tackles like Bilal Nichols, they're gonna get pressure. Um so uh that's gonna happen on on rundowns, I, I think that the Bears need to have individually their players um play up to their level of talent against the
2: run.
1: Nick, anything else? I think we did
3: it.
2: No, yeah, that was great, Arif, and um, again, love the work that you do with at The Athletic, so anybody who's looking to get coverage for this game and preview it, definitely check out Arif and everything that he does at The Athletic.
1: Yeah, Arif, is there a way for our uh, listeners to follow you uh, throughout the week, uh, whether it be social media? If you already subscribed to The Athletic, just check out his work. If you haven't yet, shame on you. Subscribe to The Athletic. Really great stuff across the entire team. Uh, every sport really great platform for your sports news but a reef is there a way for our listeners to follow you it's important this week but there's a game in like five more weeks so it's they're going to get a lot of value from that follow
3: yeah sure well I'd, I'd hope so um i mean uh the only the only social media i have that i, that I really like consistently post to is my twitter i add Arif Hasan, nfl a-r-i-f-h-a-s-a-n uh NFL. It's mostly jokes, but sometimes I do, I talk about football. <laughs> um, so uh you can follow me there. Uh I, I usually um you know answer a lot of the replies that I get, um, unless they're in super bad faith. Uh and so uh yeah, I, I love interacting. I'm online all day. So um yeah, just follow me on Twitter. I, I don't really pay attention to my Instagram. I don't think I've posted anything to it. Um, you know, don't find me on Facebook. Uh I don't really want to be found on Facebook. Uh, so I don't really have any other social media. So uh, Twitter yeah, it is. you just find me on Twitter. Yeah.
1: And, and that better be your bio. I don't think it is right now, but you know, mostly jokes. And sometimes I talk football. It's a great Twitter bio <laughs> and you should, you should trademark that thing right now. It'd be a good one. Yeah. Right. You wrote it on a spot. It's great stuff. Thank you again for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, up thank next, you. Nick and I will be back with our weekly game preview where we'll be discussing the latest news out of House Hall, taking a look at the matchups and stats, and, of course, our weekly predictions. Uh, we want to thank Arif again for his time today to help us meet the 2020 Minnesota Vikings. Make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more Bears fans just like you. But until then, Bear Down Chicago. Bear down.
0: Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's
3: protect it.